Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Coog Center Podcast, and here's your host. Thank you, thank you, Hedy, thank you. It's not Hedy, it's Hedley, Hedley Lamar. The hell are you worried about? This is 1874. You'll be able to sue her. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Preston. Watched uh, that movie again the other day. It wasn't too long ago. <laughs> that's that's one of the tamer jokes in the entire film. Uh, and if you if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's Blazing Saddles. I don't know how you couldn't. Uh, you need to go watch it. <clears throat> Excuse me, if you haven't. Um, but it it is just an uh, it is an absolute masterpiece. Of filmmaking, and, and by the way, I don't buy into the, oh, you could never make that movie today, blah, 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 you know, because everybody's so sensitive, blah, blah, blah. Um, you don't need to make that movie. <clears throat> the entire point of the movie was to make fun of racist simpletons, because you notice who all the really stupid people are in that movie. Again, if you've seen the movie, if I, if you haven't, I mean, spoiler alert, uh, about a 50-year-old movie. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I it's go go watch it again. go watch it for the first time if you never have and go watch it again if you haven't. I'm Michael Preston. Welcome to the Kook Center Hour. And if you're new to this show, the intros meander. That's for dang sure. Uh, we were trying to find someone to talk to about the University of Southern California Trojans, but something rather important happened to them on Monday. <laughs> and, uh, might have made a lot of people a little busy, and it was something a long time coming. We'll discuss that here in a little bit. We'll talk about the rest of the Pac-12, that state of play, uh, after the last weekend, and then your dunderhead of the week, and ask Michael anything as usual. I did take a peek at the questions. Uh, it's a good batch again this week. They're always a good batch. You guys always come through for those. Um, I started I started thinking over the weekend a little bit um, about this game prior to it happening. I have a good friend of mine who... Um, just moved here and went to Washington State um, with me. And, you know, he, he kind of asked for we – were, we were kind of talking about the game. I don't want to be like one of those people that's like, oh, he asked for my thoughts on the game, and I told him no. We were just chatting about the game. And I kind of came to a conclusion where, for me, the outcome of this game – like, there, there's no good way for this game to end where you look at it and go – I feel a lot better. Do you kind of know what I mean? Like, 
Wazoo does what they were supposed to do, which is win the game 44-24. I mean, really 44-17 because that last touchdown was garbage time. But um, Wazoo comes out and does say that. Okay, well, that's what they were supposed to do. Wazoo comes out and plays a close game. Well, that's really bad against a FCS team who kind of got walloped by Hawaii. Wazoo comes out and loses. Um, that's extremely bad, and we're talking about tarmacking some coaches at that point. Okay, so I, you know, for me, it was they needed to do what they did at a, at a bare minimum just to kind of make you feel at least a little bit better about their chances of winning a few games this season. Because like we've said before, and like we'll talk about in the next segment, the Pac-12 North is really not very good outside of one team. Right? So, I I think that this was kind of a no-win situation, at least for me, for this team. Now, they came out and they looked good, and, and we'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, for me, there was, like, there was no real, like, you know... <laughs> Okay, they came out and they beat the crap out of Portland State just like they should have done. Okay, cool. Still had a mind-boggling loss to Utah State, and they needed to do that to at least give people a semblance of confidence. And I don't mean to be a party pooper here, even though I kind of am being a party pooper. Okay, but it it just, for me, that game needed to go that way because it was the only way it could go. But even then, you get to the end of it, it's just like, okay, fine, let's move on. Because that's how you want to be after you play an FCS team. You want to, like Craig described in Podcast vs. Everyone this week, you want to go and not think about the game for the rest of the night. You know, it's it's not like a Pac-12 game where you, you you know might go to Valhalla afterwards and chat about who did what and what looked good. It's just like, nope, let's just go the rest of the night, forget about it, let's not talk about anything. Let's just, you know, and that's what I did. I We went to the Satters game, I watched the game on DVR, um, I put the baby to bed, and then I flipped on what was left of the UW-Michigan game. Because in this house, that was not just a we're rooting for anybody who plays UW game. My entire family went to Michigan, so that was um, also a pleasing result uh, for me, especially because the other team I root for also can't beat their rival. So it was actually nice to see a team I love uh, beat UW for once. Um, <laughs> so there was that. Um, okay, let's talk about how they did look on Saturday. And again, kind of a shaky first quarter, at least to my mind, watching it um, later on. Uh, the offensive line looked a little lost again. I thought they played a lot better as the game went on, which is good and great to see that they were able to kind of course correct as the game went on. Jaden Delora went from feeling the pressure early on, which against an FCS defensive line is very concerning, to looking better. Now, you face USC this coming week, which is not a great, you know, after a get-right game like this, this is not a great, uh, <laughs> great, a great test to go take. Um, but but things looked a little bit better as the game went on. I thought they looked better as the game went on. Dion McIntosh is proving himself to be one hell of a capable backup to Max Borgie. In some ways, a more effective running back than Max Borgie, who he's just he's just. You know, he is so willing to just put his foot in the ground and go. And that and he he looks every bit the part. And it, and it's surprising from the standpoint that when he came here when Mike Leach was still the head coach, you basically saw none of the guy, almost none of the guy, because it was just the Max Borgie show. Which is fine. Max Borgie's a very talented running back, but it's nice to know that there's a guy 
like Dion McIntosh there, who, my God, I, it's, it's so nice to have that option um, at running back. Jaden Delora had over 10 yards per attempt, a very efficient day, one very dumb interception, but I think, um, <laughs> you know, Nick Rolovich told Jessamyn McIntyre uh, at halftime in this game that uh, they sped up the tempo a bit for him because they, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was basically something like Jaden Delora thrives in chaos. <laughs> Does that make him a villain in like a movie? That Jaden Delora thrives in chaos. Because that is what he plays like. He he plays chaotically. Like that that interception in the end zone was a really, really bad interception. But you could tell how much more comfortable he was when the offensive coaching staff just decided, you know what, let's just speed this up a little bit. Because I think one of the maddening things about the run and shoot compared to the offense that you've had at Washington State over the past eight years, and and you know, and we pointed this out before, is that there are going to be a lot of comparisons to the Mike Leach years here this year because again, last year was just so whatever. So this is really effectively the first full season um, under Nick Rolovich in the run and shoot. Is that is that the play's not getting in there and the huddle's not being broken until there's twelve or eleven seconds left on the play clock, and that is really really late in the play clock. So if there's a check, if there's an audible, there no, there is no time for anything. You are stuck with that play. And it offers you no wiggle room, whatever. This offers you wiggle room, and it just seems like Jaden Delora is so comfortable when he doesn't have to think. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I absolutely mean that in a great way. Sometimes it is just way, way, way better if you, you have to operate so quickly that you don't think about anything. And you just go do it. You just operate on instinct. And he seemed to be doing that. He seemed to be playing a lot better that way on Saturday. So from that standpoint, um, he, he he looked a lot better. He looked a heck of a lot better. Um, and, and again, kind of like we talked about off the top, you know, this game kind of went the way it needed to go. You, you needed to jump out to a big league. That second quarter looked a lot better um, for Washington State. They scored one two, three, or excuse me, one, two touchdowns in that second quarter. Um, no, I'm counting them wrong. Yeah, no, they scored three touchdowns in that quarter. I'm reading the scoring summary chart uh, on the website. I <laughs> skipped over with my eyeballs and you get my eyes checked. Uh, they scored three touchdowns plus the uh, field goal from Janikowski, no relation um, to Seabass. Um, and, and they went into halftime looking like they needed to do up 30 to 10 on an FCS team. So, concerns obviously still along the defensive line against the defensive secondary. There were times that Portland State was kind of toasting them um, at the back, and the defensive line just, again, just did not look like they were getting a ton of push um, on Saturday. So, that's going to be a concern going forward, and I think we know um, from past problems with the defensive line is that's typically just, unfortunately, not something that you really fix as the season goes on. It's not something that gets, you know, kind of, kind of the problem doesn't get alleviated as the the year gets older. So we're gonna see um, how that goes, how that, what gets figured out there. Um, but Washington State this coming weekend has a team with a very very odd situation on its hands um, coming in. Clay Helton finally. Uh, probably years too late at this point, um, got fired 
on Monday after a pretty bad loss to Stanford. And I will say, um, you know, we were enjoying um, an evening of watching Netflix because I'm married and it is, even though my wife is a humongous football fan, uh, getting her to watch Stanford USC <laughs> on a Saturday evening after the baby is asleep is quite a chore. Uh, and, you, and you have equity, and I didn't really want to use it on that. Um, but I kept my eye on my phone, um, and I think what was most shocking to me about all of that was that you had a team in Stanford who just looked like, against Kansas State the week before, they legitimately looked like they couldn't fart in the correct direction. Like, it, it, it just looked like they were completely lost against Kansas State, who is a very okay Big 12 team. We're not talking about, you know, this, you know, <laughs> this world-beating Big 12 team. We're talking about the Kansas State Wildcats. And Stanford came out and absolutely smacked SC around for 60 minutes. They looked completely dominant against what was supposed to be one of the better teams in the conference and the best team in the South. It now appears that UCLA or ASU are going to get to fight it out over that. But that 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 is what does it. That is what causes causes finally Clay Helton to get fired. Is that game is S the SC administration and SC fans finally will not suffer any more indignities after that particular loss. Okay, so they fire Clay Helton on Monday and have elevated Dante Williams uh, to be the head coach uh, for the remainder of the season. There's, there's two ways to read this, right? So the first way you can read that is, is that Mike Bond and the administration has thrown that team into utter chaos uh, the Monday before they travel on Friday for a game relatively early in the day at 12.30. By the way, kickoff time at 11.30 for the Utah game the next week. Getting real blessed with these kickoff times in the first, like, the last three games. Um, So, you know, okay, so they have three days really to get ready. They've got three, three days after their coach gets tossed out, and now they need to get ready for a football game. Okay, so you can see it in the way that that benefits Wazoo because now they're not going to know what to do and they've got an uphill battle trying to learn how to prep and this coaching staff needs to learn how to take direction for the new head coach. Or, or you're a team that comes out and plays very, very motivated because you want to show that you are still a good football team. You want to show that your coach shouldn't have been fired. You want to show that you are still capable of making alums and fans and everybody super proud. And there's also the fact that the only person who got relieved on Monday was the head coach. Everybody else is still doing their job. So it's not as if the defensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator, wide receivers coach, whatever, is not exactly the same as it was on Sunday or it is on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or whenever you're listening to this. So 
how often do you see professionally and collegiately a team absolutely come out and play with their hair on fire after their coach gets canned? You see it pretty often. (laughs) You see it a lot. Like, it's almost a lock that that team is just going to come out and pants whoever they play next. Now, some would say that they needed to do it to make sure that they had the motivation to beat Washington State. And uh, that's what I'm going to choose to believe because (laughs) a man needs hope every once in a while. You know, hope is a good thing. It is the best of us. I truly believe that. Um, but Wazoo's going to be playing a team that, I, I mean, this this was coming for a long time. And you I, I've, I heard a lot of anecdotes about what a kind of a person Clay Helton is. And it's very rare to hear that about a coach, about a football coach anywhere, that Clay Helton to a person is just like the nicest guy anybody's ever dealt with. And that's probably what helped him keep his job at USC for so long is that he's just a very affable person. Am I using affable correctly? Like, I, I only know how to read off a script because I was a radio person. Affable, yes. Friendly, good-natured, and easy to talk to. Hey, I used to work correctly. Clay Helton is very affable. So he's he's super easy to... It, it's very easy to see why he stayed at SC for so long, especially because his last boss, Lynn Swan, was more interested in the golf course than he was... In his work. But at SC, you can only get away with that for so long. And frankly, Helton had gotten away with it for a lot longer than I thought most of us thought he would. Um, and in 2021, you know, 2020 again, it's kind of a mulligan. I know some coaches did get fired. Um, but two games into the season, this is pretty much what SC does, don't they? They make these decisions at the weirdest times possible. Um, so they can make like the most they can make the hire as difficult on themselves as they can possibly make it. We're gonna see where they go from here. I mean, every name gets thrown out, especially when SC's involved because it's SC and it's it is the job on the West Coast that actually has a level of appeal that kind of transcends um, most any other. I mean, you know, of of all the jobs in college football, you're probably talking about a top ten, maybe. If you really want to drill down to it, a top five job, you're talking about one of the big ones. So right now you can ignore all the noise about whose names are getting tossed out there. It's just a bunch of agents trying to get raises for their clients, which I got to admire the hustle. I got to admire the hustle. PJ Flex name gets thrown out there. That dude's not ever leaving Minnesota for Southern California. You want to talk about an act that's going to wear thin on alums, on a certain set of alums, that is going to wear thin very fast on SC alums, PJ Flex. They would not be, if Ed Orgeron wore thin on USC alums, the rich donors, BJ Flick ain't, Fleck ain't it. Be an interesting football team that makes its way to Pullman this weekend. They're going to be one or the other. They're going to be totally lethargic or they're going to be very motivated. You, you better bank on very motivated. And I hope Nick Rolovich and his staff does too because that is a team that's going to come in and they're going to try to whip you. They're going to try to show the world why their head coach shouldn't have been fired. And you better be ready for it. Because I am very scared, if you are not. Let's talk about the rest of the Pac-12, um, including something I was going to say for my Dunderhead of the Week, but it really bears talking about uh, in this segment, which I think we'll probably do every week now. Um, but, my lord. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. More of that next on the Cook Center Hour. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Back here on the Coog Center Hour, a interesting week, uh, to say the least for the Pac-12, uh, a lot good and a lot bad, and not really anything in between that. Um, Washington State and Arizona State played FCS teams. Well, I mean, UNLV is basically an FCS team this year. Arizona State pulled away in that one kind of late, uh, won that 37-10. Um, in fact, Wazoo was the only team to play an FCS team this, uh, this week. Colorado almost held on against Texas A&M in one heck of a shootout, 10 to seven, uh, in Denver. I don't get, if Denver, if A&M's going to go all the way to Denver, you can't go the extra, what is it? Like 45 minutes to an hour to Boulder. Like it's that hard to get up to Boulder. You just insisting on playing at the Broncos stadium in Denver instead. I mean, Colorado will do that. They play Colorado State there every single year, so they get to play there twice this year, so good for them. Uh, we talked about that Stanford SC game a little bit. BYU finally gets off the schneid in the Holy War and beats Utah 26-17, so again, not a great look uh, for the Pac-12 in that game. Cal can't hold on against TCU, loses that game by a couple of points. This one surprised me. Arizona played BYU pretty tough in Week 1, and then they just got shellacked by San Diego State. Just absolutely got their clock cleaned, uh, 38-14, and it frankly wasn't even that close uh, in Tucson. So that was surprising. Again, Not I, I know Jed Fish is in his first season down there, but that appears to be a steeper uphill climb than even I thought. Uh, Oregon State had some trouble putting Hawaii away. They finally did, though, 45-27. In fact, outscored them 21-0 uh, in the first quarter. And then, if I'm doing my math correctly, yeah, Hawaii would go on to outscore them the rest of the way. So, OSU, we're not going to find out a lot about it until they actually play Wazoo in a few weeks. But they've got Idaho, SC, and Washington uh, in the interim. So, let's talk about uh, two games involving teams from the Pac-12 North. Uh, I want to start with the first one that, frankly, amazed me. Uh, and that was Oregon going into Columbus and beating Ohio State at home, which it just... That does not, it, it is extremely rare for that to happen. And watching Oregon last week against Fresno State, watching that game closely like I did because I had fun money on it, uh, they did not strike me as a team that was going to go to the horseshoe and, I mean, A, even give the Buckeyes a hard time, but then B, win the football game. I did not see that coming at all. They struggled to move the football against Fresno State. They really had a hard time putting together a sustained drive against the Fresno State Bulldogs. Anthony Brown did not look like a great quarterback in that game. And he wasn't at his most efficient in this one either. 17 for 17 to 35 for 236. That's 6.7 yards 
per attempt, which is, again, not good. You want to be above seven. And a couple of touchdowns. He did rush for 65 yards. C.J. Verdell had 161 yards on 20 carries. Who boy. But Oregon did, they, they came in and just offensively just whipped Ohio State outside the tackles. They just, they got to the edge so much quicker than the Buckeyes in almost every, like in, on almost every play it felt like they were getting to the edge quick. They, they ran like a fourth down sweep, which is something I, I don't even dare to do in, in NCAA football or Madden. A, a fourth down toss sweep. <laughs> like Joe Moorhead and Mario Cristobal sitting there on the sideline just being like, yeah, yeah. Big stones. Stones, boys. Yeah, we did that. And... And to to go into Columbus and do that is just incredible. That's a result you really love if you're the Pac-12. And I, I, I love it. I don't have the animosity towards Oregon that a lot of folks do. I love that win. It really helps the conference out. The rest of the day did not. <laughs> but <laughs> we were feeling good around lunchtime, guys. Let's all Let's all try to remember that. We were feeling good, really good right around lunchtime. Let's all try to bottle that feeling up a little bit. They'll try to keep it right inside. <laughs> but that's a great win for Oregon uh, against Ohio State. Ohio State, a team who, who barely loses, period, as it is. Um, and, I mean, the last time they lost at home, I can almost confidently say it was during the Obama administration. I'm fairly positive about that. If not, it has it has been a very long time. Um... The other game I wanted to talk about also featured a Pac-12 team against a Big Ten team, and that was Washington versus Michigan. Um, I, I think we knew after that Washington-Montana game that the Washington offense was in a little trouble, and we were all a little puzzled by their hiring of John Donovan, whose resume as an offensive coordinator was not exactly good uh, before Jimmy Lake pulled the trigger and hired him. Um, and it certainly appears that it it is it is still that way, um, because Washington actually has a similar problem to Wazoo in that Chris Peterson, you know, so ostensibly Mike Leach left behind a lot of talent everywhere. Ostensibly, Chris Peterson left a lot of talent behind when he retired. Um, after the 2019 season. That, right now, right now, um, does not appear to be the case. Because Washington struggled offensively. They got absolutely... So when, when you think of the Washington Huskies of the last, like, say, 10 or so years, the first thing that always comes to mind is defense. And the first thing that always comes to mind for me is defensive line. They have been utterly dominant on the defensive line. Um, probably the best Pac-12 team on the D-line um, over the last 10 years. I mean, you could the names you could rattle off. I mean, just Vita Vey and Danny Shelton alone. And then I mean, an unholy number of names I'm obviously forgetting. But Michigan racked up 343 yards on the ground. 
They had Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum each had over 150 yards of rushing on their own. Cade McNamara is their quarterback. He went 7 for 15 for 44 yards in that game. The quarterback went 7 for 15 for 44 yards and Michigan won 31-10. I see a lot of Husky fans very, very angry right now. And very angry at John Donovan. And that's probably deserved. But let's also talk about a defense that gave up 340 yards on the ground. They gave up over 1,000 feet. Almost a fifth of a mile on the ground. Try to think of another Washington defense in the last decade that would allow that to happen. You cannot because it does not exist. So, this is... I I want to be careful here because they're Washington and everybody's just going to say you're just doing it because of the Huskies and you're a kook fan and just why you're doing it and, and you shouldn't be doing it. And let them talk about their own stuff. Okay, now that I got that out of my system. What, what brings me around to this is that, or I'm going to, I'm going to exclamation point this with something very odd from Monday. Um, Washington is playing Arkansas State this coming weekend in Seattle. It's actually Blake Anderson, the guy who coaches Utah State. That's his last team. And one of the reporters that covers Washington reported on Monday that the team would not be releasing a depth chart until Arkansas State did too. Buddy. Jimmy. How deep into the bad are you? How ungood is your situation if you are playing depth chart chicken with Arkansas State? Yeah. You're playing depth chart chicken with a Sunbelt team at home. Why? Why? Why are you that desperate? What hand do you think you're going to... This is what we said before the Utah State game that got us so concerned about not naming a starting quarterback. Are you that worried about Utah State knowing who the starter is going to be? Are you really that worried? Uh, Are you really that worried that Arkansas State is going to know your depth chart? Arkansas State. I want to be clear about that. The Red Wolves, I think. Right? Because they changed their name from Indians a number of years ago to the Red Wolves, I think. I'm not even going to look it up. Someone else can correct me. I got corrected on which year uh, the Idaho game from a number of years ago was, too. So thank you for doing that. I can't remember who did it, but thank you on Twitter. Uh, Do do you need to not release that? (laughs) This is how you know that... I really think this is this is so weird that I'm keying in on this, but this is how you know Jimmy Lake's in over his head. He's not releasing a depth chart until Arkansas State does. <laughs> Buddy, we gotta talk about that. <laughs> like, how how frightened are you of them? And it's 
don't I don't want to hear coach line of I respect my opponent, blah, 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 whatever. Okay. This is a guy who can feel he's trying to take accountability. He says after the game, you know, this is my fault, blah, 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 blah. He's trying to take accountability, but he is six games, six however many games they played last year. He is six games into his tenure. And it is not good that the dude can feel the walls closing in. Now, I think the feeling is a little different if they take care of business against Montana in week one. But they didn't, and the feeling's not. I don't think Jimmy Lake's going anywhere after this year. But I do think, because it shows in Washington's recruiting rankings, and it shows, again, with the, the fact that there is ostensibly talent on that roster, um that Jimmy Lake is quickly losing ground in the Pac-12 North, and that is not acceptable to Washington Huskies fans. That is really not acceptable to them, given their uh, reaction on social media. It's going to be a very interesting next 10 to 11 weeks for Jimmy Lake and his crew over on Montlake because um, he better start doing some winning. Because rightly or wrongly, and again, we said this last week, didn't understand where these expectations were coming from this year about the Huskies. Like, everybody thought they were going to be good, and when when you asked them why, they were like, oh, well, cuz. Okay, so rightly or wrongly, big expectations for that football team. And they got a big chore ahead of them against, and I'm going to check my notes here, Arkansas State. Dunderhead of the week. Ask Michael anything on the other side of the fight song on the Cook Center app. Dunderhead of the week time. If you are a frequent listener of the show, you've probably heard me ramble on about shopping cart etiquette before. And it is just to my mind, it is just not that hard, basic human decency and politeness to put your shopping cart in the little corral thing in the parking lot. It is not hard. It is easy. They are usually spread out generously throughout a parking lot. But this, this just genuinely takes the cake for me this week. Um, I went to go grocery shopping. I think this was on Thursday or Friday last week. Open parking spot next to a guy. He empties his shopping cart. The corral is on the other side of his car. And he leaves the shopping cart in the empty parking spot. 
So now, granted, there are plenty of spaces available in this parking lot right now, but later on, perhaps when there isn't, someone's going to have to get out, return the shopping cart, get back in their car, and repark the car. That that took it to a whole nother level for me. The the <laughs> the leaving. It's a grocery store in West Seattle too. It's the it's Trader Joe's in West Seattle, so it's gonna be crowded. Like, and at some point on any given day, every parking spot in that parking lot is going to be in use at some point. Has any Trader Joe's ever had a big enough parking lot? I don't think so. Never in the history of Trader Joe's has there been one with a big enough parking lot. It's going to be used. Like, and this is the only thing I don't get. Like, you know how, like, all the time we all talk about people like this person? And that person then goes home and talks about some stupid idiot in their day... And then that other idiot goes and talks about someone stupid in their day. It's just a never-ending cycle of this. I used to think when I was a kid, like, are there just, like, five people in the world who are just out there completely oblivious to the fact that they're stupid and ruining everybody's lives in, like, some small way? Just put your shopping cart back in a little corral. Corral? Whatever it's called. I'm gonna call it a corral. That's a funner word for that. Ask Michael anything time. It's just not that hard. Just put your... Just Put it back. Easier on those poor employees who gotta go out there and get all those dang things in anyway. <sighs> Ask Michael anything time. Bryce Hendricks at Bryce Hendrick 14. Our new writer. You did a really good job on a recruiting article you ought to go read on kookcenter.com right now. Does Kyle Smith's coaching prowess make up for the pain caused by Rolovich? I'm going to wear that Utah State loss for a while, man. I wear all the big losses for a long time. Uh, remains to be seen this season, although it does look good, doesn't it? I can't wait, actually. Uh, let's see here. At G Foster Fit, Garrett Foster, can you explain AP rankings? North Carolina lost to an unranked Virginia Tech in week one, then dropped to 24 from 10. Then they destroy an FCS school and move up three spots. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> AP voters are weird, and they value winning above all else. And there were a lot of, tw I think there were a lot of top 25 losses this week. I mean, like Utah, USC, um, at the very least lost. I mean, Ohio State lost. They didn't drop all that far. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of big losses, uh, in, in college football this week. Um, at JM, J Mackle. I don't know how you want me to say that Jordan McGrath. Crimson and gray is obviously a solid color combo, but taking on all your other favorite teams, Seattle, Michigan, etc. What's a great color combo you love in sports or just straight up rank your favorite college uniforms out there. Traditional. Don't get into the weeds about alternates. I love UCLA's, uh, the older powder blue and gold ones. The new ones still look okay. I still like those. LSU's home fit with the purple and yellow is gorgeous. I really like that. Um, Iowa's black and yellow is always a classic. I also really like, um, I really like, uh, oh my gosh, I'm completely blanking. Florida, I really love the combo of blue and orange. Because uh, I'm colorblind, and that's when I can see um, the best, quite frankly. Um, and I've got, if I had to pick like one more, I'm trying to think of one more, just to like kind of like round it out nicely. Stanford's is always kind of a classic with the white, the white kind of red, crimsony color on the jersey and the white pants. I think it's always just a classic look too. Uh, at Ben Wyman, Ben Wyman, how did it feel to beat the Washington Huskies with your other favorite team? It was pretty special for me. lovely uh let's see here going further down the list at wc brady 27 basketball season yet favorite streaming service 
and why you said steaming service and for that i would say dim sum um streaming service wise hbo max i really like the interface so like the interface it uses so like the platform itself is the easiest to navigate i think of any of them the um and then the interaction you know with fast forwarding pausing whatever else is also easiest and also just a selection of shows shows um we're watching one right now and i'm completely blanking on the name which is absolutely perfect for this podcast um it's uh generation hustle that's right it's basically just like 10 10 episodes of people who like scam people it's amazing um at sports with neil wear a damn mask hashtag best whl team name there's so many good ones you have the Everett Silvertips, Edmonton Oil Kings, Saskatoon Blades. I'm going to go the Brandon Wheat Kings, though. That's a really good name. I really like that. At Devin Lewis 88, Devin Lewis, who lasts longer as coach, Lake or Rolo? <laughs> God, at this rate, Rolovich, man. Jimmy Lake loses to Arkansas State on Saturday. There is There might legitimately be no saving him if they lose that football game. Like, I'm, I'm not joking about that. At Ellis underscore Hughes, Ellis Hughes, alum, alum taking friends to visit Pullman during non-football game weekends, yay or nay and why? I would say yay. Um, you're not going to get like the same like big experience, you know? Um, but in terms of like actually exploring town, um, that could be fun. Take them when the weather's nice, though. Don't ever take a friend to Pullman on a non-football weekend if the weather's not nice, unless there's also another sporting event. Like, we're going to a game, a basketball game in December, but all my friends are going with their alums. So make sure there's a sporting event or something to go and do, not just, hey, let's go to Pullman. At WCU LJ, LKJ Leif Johnson, favorite non-WSU fight song. I've always had a soft spot for Idaho's. I really like that song. Michigan, of course, um, is another favorite of mine. Uh, but yeah, I, I've actually I've always had a little soft spot for Idaho's. It's it's pretty good. You guys Google it if you haven't. Um, at Max Likes Sports One, Max Likes Sports. What's the longest place kick you could personally make? Um, without a T, I bet I could get one through from thirty-five, like middle. Not, not like on one of the hashes. Like the middle. I could probably do 35. What's that from the... That would be from the 27-yard line. No, 25-yard line. I take it back. I could do 25 yards. Uh, at Sean PC 7 Sean Clements, what's the best cheesesteak chain you've ever been to? There are cheesesteak chains? Why didn't you guys tell me this? I've never been to a cheesesteak chain. Unless we're talking about like Jimmy John's or a Jersey Mike's. I guess one of those. Cheesecake Factory's cheesesteak is... Yeah, it's okay. Whatever. But yeah, never been to one. SC41, Washington State 17. They come out motivated, and they they were good anyway. Favored by 10 for a reason when the points came out. But we'll see how it goes. Just don't see a way this one goes any other way. Talk to you next week on the Cook Center Hour.